This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. Volume 15, Number 4, from April of 1937. The Greatest of These. Written by Brother Carl H. Claudy. And the greatest of these is charity. For our faith may be lost in sight. Hope ends in fruition. But charity extends beyond the grave to the boundless realms of eternity. No greater glory hath American Freemasonry than the charity of its 49 Grand Lodges. Expressed in homes, hospitals, charity foundations, relief funds, sanitariums, infirmaries, orphanages, and schools, these institutions speak what Freemasonry, inarticulate to the general public except in good works, says never for herself. Thirty-five of forty-nine grand jurisdictions maintain Masonic homes. Thirty-six have some variety of charity foundation, relief fund, or other means of giving aid to the unfortunate. All grand jurisdictions have either one or the other. Many have both. The honor of having been first to establish a Masonic home goes to Kentucky, which has a home dating back to 1867. Year by year, other jurisdictions followed, until in 1934, the most recent was opened, that of Maryland at Bonnie Blink, which is Scottish for beautiful view. These institutions are of all sizes, from the huge and beautiful homes of Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, to the little home in Wilmington, Delaware, the first housing nearly 500 guests. Delaware lovingly caring for 29. In the several homes, there are more than the number of jurisdictions maintaining them, some having two or even three, are a total of 4,350 guests, an average of almost 141 per home. In rural America, a town of 4,300 people is often the county seat, and many a thriving little city in this nation boasts of a smaller population. If children are added, the town grows greatly, for 3,613 children guests live in the homes of 25 jurisdictions, and these are all sheltered, fed, clothed, kept healthy, amused, and educated by the dollars Master Masons pay through their lodges to Grand Lodge Charity. How much these dollars are in the aggregate is only equaled in wonder by how little they are individually. An average of the figures from 23 jurisdictions shows that the cost of maintaining an adult guest is $421.23 annually. An average of figures from 16 jurisdictions shows the cost of maintaining a child guest is $390.79 annually. Applying these figures to all the adult and child guests, and the total is almost three and a quarter million dollars annually. 
Yet, the average Grand Lodge dues from individual Masons in particular lodges is but $1.92, out of which comes all this charity, all Grand Lodge activities, all contributions to charity funds dispersed outside of the homes, all physical maintenance of property, insurance, incidentals, etc. Expressed another way, the average percentage of Grand Lodge dues spent in charity is 78.5. 26 jurisdictions spending more than 50% of Grand Lodge income on charity, and 13 more than two-thirds of their incomes. Nor do these figures alone provide a complete picture of the amounts given, for the homes in a larger majority of the jurisdictions are clear of debt and represent a great investment. Nineteen jurisdictions value their dormitories alone at more than $10 million. Twenty-nine jurisdictions value their lands at more than $2 million. Twenty jurisdictions summarize value of land and buildings at $10,738,000. Homes average 45 employees each. 33 jurisdictions report 1,484 employees, which range in number per home from 6 in the smallest home to 260 in the largest. Salaries average nearly $800 a year in money but a large majority of employees receive also board and lodging. Superintendent's pay averages more than $3,000 yearly, two receiving $3,500, four $3,600, three $4,000, one $6,000, and one $10,000 per year. Good superintendents are difficult to find. He must know how to buy how to manage, often how to farm. He must be bookkeeper and banker. He must know how to manage old people, young people, and employees. He must have no nerves in his body and the patience of Job. He works, usually, all the time he is not asleep. He must be kindly yet firm, smiling yet serious, tireless, yet conservative of his strength. When a jurisdiction has such a one, it possesses an asset worth more than he draws per year. But no man may be such a superintendent and not also have a brotherly heart, and so he takes what the jurisdiction is able to give and is happy. Every master mason is the better for knowing as much as he can about the home maintained by his grand lodge. Invariably, a visit to the Masonic home enthuses the visitor, makes him more masonry conscious than mere paying dues ever can. Lodges in many jurisdictions have the pleasant idea of staging a pilgrimage yearly, or once in two years, to the local home, and spending a happy day learning just what sort of charity their dollars provide. Masters of lodges who want a new entertainment idea often plan an entertainment to be given in the home and always are happily rewarded for carrying out the plans. One jurisdiction had a series of pictures of its home made, bought two dozen projection machines, and showed the pictures in every lodge in the state. Others have had booklets written and illustrated, 
distributed these to master masons, always with the result of increased interest in the benign and beautiful face which Freemason returns to the world. The 36 jurisdictions which have a charity foundation, often called the Charity Fund, Relief Fund, etc., report the enormous capital of $7,500,000, ranging from 3000 for the least to 2400000 for the greatest. This money has come from the accumulation of years of careful saving, from special assessments, from fees, and from a percentage of Grand Lodge dues. In jurisdictions in which homes are maintained, the income from such funds is usually devoted to helping maintain brethren, their widows and children, outside of the home, thus relieving the pressure on that institution. Jurisdictions which have no homes appropriate the interest of their charity funds to aid lodges to take care of their charity cases, usually at the request of the lodge. Some Grand Lodges disperse the relief fund income to individuals, rather than through the lodges. Some have a maximum beyond which they will not assist, others no limit is specified. Support for both institutions and charity foundations comes not only from a percentage of the per capita paid to Grand Lodge, or from a special charity assessment made on all lodges or all Master Masons, but also from special fees in addition to those for the degrees. Twenty-seven jurisdictions require petitioners to pay additional fees to be devoted to charity, ranging in amount from $5 to $40 the average of the 27 being $11.44. Still further in addition, certain jurisdictions receive contributions towards the work of home or foundation from other Masonic bodies. In a few jurisdictions, the institution is jointly maintained, as in the District of Columbia, where the Masonic and Eastern Star Home, caring for men, women, and children, is jointly supported by Masons and Eastern Stars. Texas has three homes, one maintained by the Eastern Star, the Widow's Home and Boys and Girls School in Fort Worth, maintained by the Grand Lodge, and the Home for Aged Masons and Their Wives, maintained by the Grand Royal Arch Chapter for all old Masons who need help, regardless of whether chapter men or not. Grand Lodges are good to their elderly guests, helping them down the last long hill with tender care for their comfort, providing them with hospitals, infirmaries, sanitariums, doctors, nurses, medicine, operations, diet, and sympathy. In almost all such institutions, doctors work for either a small specified sum yearly or for half fees, which is also true of dentists. One great institution in Iowa has 27 Masonic physicians and two dentists serving the sanitarium at Bettendorf without pay. In the homes for children and the schools provided, Grand Lodges take enthusiastic pride, feeling that a good start in life for young men and women who otherwise would have had no chance is the highest form of Masonic charity. From most of the children's homes, the small guests go to public schools, but some jurisdictions maintain their own schools. Two jurisdictions maintain a high school, 
and one a junior high school. Seven jurisdictions aid their young guests to get a college education, either by paying the whole, making a partial grant, or offering scholarships. In addition, eight jurisdictions will loan money to their child guests who enter college, some for all years, others for only the third and fourth years. All jurisdictions caring for children pay particular attention to religious training, sending their guests to Sunday school and the church of the parents' faith, having services at the home, daily morning worship, and so on. The least number of children in any children's home is six, and the greatest is 450. The 3,600 children in all homes would make a brave little army indeed, could all be mustered on one playground. They come to the homes, these babies, at all ages, even as little as two years. One jurisdiction does not take them if more than ten. Eight do not admit them beyond twelve. Six have thirteen years as the maximum. Four have fourteen years. One, fifteen. Two, sixteen years. And one jurisdiction will accept a child guest up to twenty-one years of age. More interesting, perhaps, is the dismissal age. Boys 16, girls 18, is one jurisdiction's requirement. But in practically all homes, regardless of wise rules made to keep the institution from being overcrowded, the maximum requirement is forgotten if the conditions do not permit the child to be safely dismissed. Thus, the attitudes of some of the jurisdictions are... 18 years or when graduated from high school. 18 years if the child has a place to go. Depending on a child's ability to care for himself. Not until educated. Supposed to be 18, but often keep them longer. Grand jurisdictions are invariably proud of their home graduates, and often with great cause. Many men and women come back yearly to the only home they ever knew to express loving gratitude for the care taken of them, the education received, and to report success in a chosen vocation. The proportion of graduates from Masonic homes which turn out badly is far smaller than the average. Something in the loving care, the fraternal feeling, the wise guidance so molds the vast majority of those young men and women that master masons may look on them with justifiable pride. Masons in jurisdictions which do not support homes sometimes wonder why their grand lodges have not undertaken such a charity. Those who do should reflect that this is a great country with an infinite variety of conditions. A satisfactory method of giving Masonic charity in one jurisdiction may not work so well in another. The jurisdictions which give all their relief through charity funds find that this plan works better for them. Those who maintain institutions of one kind or another believe that for them the home is better than outside aid alone. Nor should comparative costs lead any to criticize his own Masonic institution, because it costs more than a neighboring one. Climate, cost of labor, cost of food, kind of care, all have a marked influence on the cost of maintenance.
These Masonic institutions are managed by a board of managers, governors, charity, Masonic relief, and control. Or sometimes by a committee or trustees. These devoted Masons, in numbers from three to ninety per home, give their time, their knowledge of business, and their experience for love of the craft and their fellow men. A place on the board is usually considered a great honor, no matter how much work it entails. These brethren are interested in obtaining the greatest amount of good from the money they have to spend, and he who wonders why the average of maintenance of a hospital case, for instance, in his jurisdiction is annually $1,100, while in a neighboring jurisdiction is of but $750, should ask a member of his board before he speaks his criticism. The answer may well be, we take incurables who require constant nursing care. Such and such a hospital does not. As a whole, the picture of Masonic charity in this country is an inspiring canvas. Its shadows have been painted during the Depression when Grand Lodge incomes were reduced, and many gray hairs in the boards of managers' heads have been the result. Its highlights are its happy children, its brave graduates, its old people saved from want and misery. Its frame is the great body of the craft, mostly knowing little of what his jurisdiction does, but paying cheerfully his proportion nonetheless. Its color is bright with promise and with hope, and that Master Mason who will gaze for just a moment at the whole great scene, then for even an hour at that portion of it which is distinctively his, will find his Masonic life the happier, and his Masonic chin the higher for that look. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions, and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.